Tonight's program is brought to you by the China Hockey Group. The CHG is a family-focused group of ice hockey leagues, training programs, and community initiatives. They focus on the growth of hockey in Hong Kong and southern China, as well as the development of student-athletes, where sporting goals are achieved alongside educational pursuits. The CHG is comprised of a number of hockey programs. Established in 2011, the CIHL is Hong Kong's elite adult hockey league. The Junior Tigers program is Hong Kong's premier youth hockey organization, featuring the Scotia Bank Island League and Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs. The SCIHL is an adult league for those seeking a more recreational experience. In addition, the CHG showroom is the exclusive reseller of Bauer Warrior hockey equipment and offers services including skate sharpening and fittings. For more information and links to their social media sites, go visit ChinaHockeyGroup.com. That's ChinaHockeyGroup.com. Hey hockey fans, welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks Volume 43. We're back, the newly renovated Sunset Studio with the great Terry Whalen. And Terry, we're going to do some deep dives into the NHL draft today. Take a look at the draft. Yeah, Chris, it's, uh, it's good to be back. And uh, um, yeah, here in the studio, it's, it's very bright here it today. It is. Hey? Yeah. We have no curtains. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get the full sunset, though. Oh, that'll be, that'll be pretty here. They that's, will. At Sunset Studio. That's right. Yeah, that's, so how have you been, nice. Terry? Yeah, good. Uh, holiday, uh, holiday. Find me a teacher who uh, doesn't love July. That's right. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. And uh, you know, exciting playoffs. Yeah. And uh, an interesting off season so far. Yes, it's been an exciting week. Yeah, yeah, without yeah. a doubt. So uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, the uh, the hot stove league yeah. for the uh, for the next month. And uh, hopefully they're they're planning, I guess, on uh, a sort of normal start. It's looking like that. Like, so that'd be October. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, getting back regular get, divisions, regular divisions. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, you know, I might even miss hockey in July. You might. I, you know, it was one of the reasons, I'm not kidding, that I sort of got away from the game a little bit because right. it, it used to irk me that they were playing hockey in June. Right. But then all of a sudden, you know, hockey June's in June's not so bad now. No, June's not so bad at all. <laughs> yeah. I wanted so to take a minute too, Terry, to thank you again for all your help with the Across the Pond first annual trivia night at the Aftermath. Oh, well, you're welcome. That, was a, that was a good time. It was a good time. And by all, yeah. Yeah. I think um, looking back on it, I, you know, I pursed the questions a little bit. Um, maybe I don't want to say it was too tough. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's what the whiners are saying. Well, of course you can't, you can't keep them all happy. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, when, when I do my own quiz, you know, I'd like, I like to have the winner up around say 75%. Mm -hmm. And what we had here was the winner was probably, you know, 65%. Right. So, I was guessing around 70. Yeah. So we're going to have to next time around, we'll throw them a few more bones. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the good thing though was it was very, very close. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the so top three teams. The were top really three, close. the top, the top five teams. Yeah. were within six points of one another. Right. So overall, the questions may be uh, maybe a little uh, a little on the hard side. Yeah. But the knowledge was pretty evenly spread, and yeah, uh, yeah it made for an exciting finish. We'll definitely be doing this again, and uh, thanks to Kyle and Alicia at the aftermath for letting us host the event there. Doubt, uh, yeah. Went very smoothly. Um, Sean and Alex softly, uh, and Jimmy Pittman played some good music for us, and yeah. of course. Uh, 
the uh, the sideburns came in and rescued the night with a yeah, nice little indeed. set. So yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks to everyone who came. Thanks for all the support, everyone. And uh, let's get right to it, Terry. Uh, let's get into the history of the NHL draft. Yeah. So uh, a quick look at the history of drafts among the big four North American professional leagues shows that they were all started for the same reason: parity. Uh, that is competitive balance. However, there were two distinct reasons for the disparity. In football and baseball, money was the problem. The richer, more popular teams would sign the best players available. The NFL held the first pro sports draft in February 1936. Jay Burwanger, Heisman Trophy winner from the University of Chicago, was selected first by the Philadelphia Eagles, who, after failing to come to terms with Burwanger, traded him to the Chicago Bears. The Bears had no better luck, and Burwanger never played in the NFL. That was not unusual as only 24 of the 81 players drafted in the nine-round affair chose to play pro football. The current NFL draft is seven rounds of 256 players. That's very similar to the, uh, to the numbers you have in the NHL. By the mid-1960s, baseball was facing a similar problem. Big clubs were giving prospects large amounts of money to sign and then hiding them in their farm systems, the so-called bonus babies. Mm. Major League Baseball held its first draft in June 1965, where Rick Monday, an outfielder from the University of Arizona, was chosen first by the Kansas City Athletics. The MLB draft is usually a 40-round affair. Mm -hmm. It was downsized to 20 rounds this year, and that still resulted in 612 players being selected. Yeah, it always seems a little excessive, the MLB draft, doesn't it? <laughs> in baseball, there's a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of guys. It's a long it. road to the majors. It's a long road to the majors. Any yeah. sport, but baseball, yeah. Dude, that's especially. the one where they put in a lot of time in the minors. That's exactly right. Yeah. So um, so that's football and baseball, Terry. So what was causing the uh, disparity in, in basketball and hockey? Well, there it was geography. Okay. Uh, and money. Always money when you're when you're dealing with throw sports. Um before the Basketball Association of America initiated a draft in 1947, it became the NBA in 1950, teams had access to local players first, creating competitive imbalances. The NBA retained a territorial pick system until 1966, whereby a team could forfeit its first round pick to choose any eligible player from within a 50-mile radius of its home arena. Clifton McNeely from the University of Texas El Paso went first to the Pittsburgh Ironmen, which saw 85 players selected over 10 rounds. The 2021 draft uh, was yesterday, and uh, it was uh, two rounds of 60 players. Okay. So, you know, the, uh, the basketball is by far, it's the smallest of the drafts. Uh, like the other leagues, the NHL draft, first held June 5, 1963, at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal, came into being as a way to level the playing field. Prior to 1969, all players arrived in the NHL via sponsorship of their junior teams. With expansion looming, NHL President Clarence Campbell was under pressure from U.S.-based teams, particularly the New York Rangers, to do away with the traditional sponsorship system that favored Montreal and Toronto because they were scouting in their own backyards. Right. Initially referred to as a draft of the players' junior priority rights, the league did not immediately release the names of the drafted players to the media. Hmm. Players reported to their drafting team's tryout schools or were assigned to a junior club that the drafting team had sponsored. Amateur players not already on NHL team sponsorships list were eligible. 
the Canadiens retained territorial rights to the first two French-Canadian players, a system like in the NBA. And 21 players were selected over four rounds, with some teams passing rather than picking. This led to the Habs choosing Gary Monaghan first overall. Uh, teams not using all their draft picks would continue until 1969, which is referred to as the first modern draft, as it would be the first not affected by the old sponsorship system, and it saw the end of Montreal's cultural exemption. Mm -hmm. So 1969 was also the first year teams drafted in reverse order to their overall standing, regardless of divisions. This would continue until 1995 with the introduction of the draft lottery. And uh, the current draft in the NHL, it's seven rounds, 217 players. Correct. Yeah. You touched on so many of the reasons there why people love to hate the Habs. <laughs> <laughs> Just skimmed right over them. <laughs> well, that's, that, that was back in the day that yeah. uh, there was the reasons that people hated the Habs. Well, I think yeah, those reasons are still going today. Yeah, as, as we'll see <laughs> yeah. a little later on. They've, right. they, they've sort of have come up with their own reasons now to... Uh, they always to find a way. Yeah, yeah. To continue to wear the black hat. Yeah. <laughs> so before we look at that, the uh, modern era, Terry, uh, could you give me an idea of what life was like under the NHL junior sponsorship era. Yeah, era, yeah, yeah, sure, Chris. Um, and, and perhaps the story of what Boston had to do to make Bobby Orr a broom. Right. Yeah, so... Bobby, Paul, Paul, you'll like this story. Yeah, there it is. This is, this is true. But Bo Bobby Orr was 13 in 1961 when he was discovered by broom scout Ren Blair. Uh, Blair immediately recognized his talent, and he started to visit the Orr family home. The following year, Blair was able to get a commitment signing from the Orr family for Bobby to sign with the Bruins at age 18. Now, to do this, Blair convinced the Bruins to resurrect a moribund OHL franchise. He became Oshawa General's manager, and an agreement was built around a new arena being constructed for the new Oshawa General's team. All of this was under the condition that Bobby Orr had to be an Oshawa General. Now, speaking of conditions, the Bruins also agreed to let Bobby stay in his hometown of Perry Sound for school, two and a half hours north of Oshawa, and only play on weekends. They gave the 14-year-old a $10,000 Canadian signing bonus, that'd be $80,000 in Canadian dollars today, a new car for his parents, and they paid to stucco the Orr family home. Very important. I think that was probably what sealed the deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was probably the clincher right there. Yeah. Yeah, and now remember, all of this was to get an agreement to sign an agreement. Right. Yeah, by the time Orr turned 18, Alan Eagleson had become involved. When the Bruins offered Orr the standard 9000 a year with a $5,000 signing bonus, Eagleson countered with $100,000 a year or Orr plays for Team Canada. The Bruins relented, gave Orr a $25,000 signing bonus and a salary rumored to be around $40,000 a year, making him the highest paid player in the game. At that time, Terry, they used to hide the salaries, right? Yeah, People, yeah. players didn't talk about how much this money is, they made. Remember, we were talking yeah. about uh, back uh, the uh, the movie we we talked. Yes, I'm blanking on it. Me now. too. But yes. this is what it's reminded. This is this is exactly what it was. Yeah. Was uh, the uh, players didn't know what the other players were making, mm -hmm. and that was a way that the owners were able, you know, right. an, an artificial salary. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, and and again, there, there's very few players. Like, like Bobby Orr, yeah. right? So, you know, that, that story maybe is not typical, but it shows the lengths that the teams had to go to or yeah. were willing to go to to sign, you know, young hockey talent. Right. Yeah, those were the, some of the hoops they had to jump through back in the day before they had a draft. Right. Yeah. 
Now, Chris, before we look at the changes yeah. the lottery made, you know, in the draft, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. And and here's one thing that, uh, you know, is again, as a big NFL fan. Yeah. I always wondered why don't goalies get drafted like quarterbacks do? Right. Because, I mean, in the NFL, uh, this past year, for an example, quarterbacks, they went, there was five quarterbacks in the first 50. Mm-hmm. They went one, two. They always go one, two, one, yeah. two, three. And, and quarterback, obviously, it's a team game, but it's the most important position in football. Mm-hmm. And hockey, of course, is a team game, but you have to have the goalie. That's right. Why aren't the goalies treated like the quarterbacks? Well, I think it has a lot to do with age when people get drafted. Um, it's really hard to take a fly or take a chance on a goalie because that goalie's not going to develop into an NHL goalie for another four to five years. So these guys are 17 years old when they're getting drafted, right? right? 17, 18 years old. You really don't get the peak performance, or you really don't know where a goalie's going to be until they're 21 or 22. So if you compare him to a quarterback who's played his high school years, went on to three or four years at college, right. he's a little bit more, he's maturing into a man, he's 21, 22 years old, you kind of know what you're going to get. Right. So the first few uh, rounds of a draft, you basically are trying to get a guaranteed NHL player. Right. So if you take a chance on a goalie, it's more of a risk because they may not turn out to be the player that you want four years down the road. Um, Whereas if you get a young forward, for example, or a young defenseman who's a top prospect, you can give them an opportunity when they're 19 or 20 years old because they're just one of 12 forwards on the team, right? right. They can yeah. kind of put, put them out there with a couple of veterans, put them out there with you know some of your best players, put them out in good positions uh, like offensive zone face-offs right, or right. power plays. Quote, unquote, hide them. Exactly, but you cannot hide a goalie. Right. And then if you try to, and that goalie gets exposed as a 19-year-old, being a goaltender is such a head game. Right. And it's all confidence, and it's all a mind game. Like, everyone yeah. will tell you, you know, I have a lot of goalie friends, but they'll all probably agree that it takes a special breed to be sure. a goalie. And um, that's that's the other thing. So you got to pr- protect a goalie not only from the physical part of the game and, and dealing with right. adults and 25 and 30 year olds shooting at them compared to junior age kids. Right. But you also have to protect the mental part of their game. So I think that's the risk And like, you know, there's not that many goalies that get drafted every year. Right. So to take a chance in the first couple of rounds is a little risky and you don't see it very often. In fact, this year, I don't think a goalie was chosen in the first round. Yeah. They, was there? Yeah, there was uh, at least one. Okay. Let me double check that. But, Typically, there's Typically. not a lot. Yeah, there's Typically, not a lot. No, no, and and it's as as you say. Um, I I think the N, the NHL just like uh, like other drafts. Certainly, like again, you can compare it to the football. You can you can compare it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have that pick in the first three rounds, you're really looking for a contributor. Right. And then after that, it's a crapshoot. Right. Mm-hmm. There are so many variables, and we're going to talk about some yep. of those variables later about what goes into. Uh, you know, yeah. So maybe you're just, uh, you know, the the Bill Belichick idea of, of amassing as many picks as you can, and then just the more picks you have, even if it's a little lower, the more chances you have of getting a guy who's going to maybe develop into something right. that will, uh, you know, someone who can uh, come along and play. That's right. And a lot of times GMs don't want to take that risk because it, it's their it's their, it's job. their job. Exactly. That's right. So it looks like you're right. There was a goalie drafted 15th overall this year. By Detroit. By Detroit. Was there another one as well? Yeah. Uh, when did uh, who did Minnesota take? Minnesota at nineteen. Um, 
You know that Minnesota at twenty. Oh, they did as well. You're right. right. Yeah. From they took the yeah that was from the Oilers pick. Yeah. But again, you know, it's a cyclical sort of thing. Right. And this isn't anything like, you know, the goalie. I mean, I remember, of course, as an Islanders fan, you know, Rick DiPietro infamously going. Yes. You know, number they one. They still paying him? They are still paying him. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Bobby Bonilla of the. Uh, yeah. What's yeah. he earning these days? Ah, uh, what's he get? One point. Was he get one point five until twenty twenty eight? That's not funny. Until twenty twenty eight. Wow. Yeah, Bobby Bo uh, with the Mets. Yeah. The, yeah, he he he's still getting 1.1 1. 1, I think until 2030. So. That's crazy. Yeah, that was a, that was a bad contract sure. Yeah. And uh but again, you know, the, the you just don't see go always go and and thank you for It's true. So what do you think? What are your thoughts on why they're not drafted? Well, I, I, again, I think the points that that you made uh, were very good. I uh, you know, the idea of what I've read, uh maybe the idea of they don't get as much coaching. It comes in. It comes back to the idea idea of, of being a mental, right challenge, just as much as right. a physical challenge. Yeah. And and your point as far as you can't hide them. You can't hide them. You can't hide mm-hmm. them. I've been watching, you know, uh, um, the Islanders defenseman Noah Dobson, mm-hmm. how they've been bringing him along these last couple of years, mm-hmm. watching what Barry Trotz does with this kid. Yeah. Right. And now he's he's getting you know hopefully next year he's going to take a little another step. Yeah. And help the Islanders get a little closer, yeah. you know. So, you know, and, and you can do that with your sixth defenseman. Right. Right. Give them time on the power play. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and let them play them. They with, don't have to play 60 minutes like that. Right. And, right. Yeah. And there you go. Play them with Andy Green, who's old enough to be right. his father. Yeah, like, exactly. Literally. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it, it makes sense. Uh, Net Worth was the name of Net that Worth, movie. that's correct. Was the name of that movie. Yeah. Now, now, I have one other question for you, Chris. Sure. Um, about, again, compare maybe to the NFL. The NFL has the combine, mm-hmm. and I I watch the combine. I, you know, it's derided as the underwear Olympics. Yeah, right. People give it a hard time, but do you think a combine situation could work for the NHL? Again, it, it just to give people a better idea of of who these kids are, right. who these who these this next generation is. Well, I think the combine is all for show, and it's something like typical NFL. Sure. They're going to do something big. They're going to go for it. They're going to make it a national event. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, on every sports channel in the of U.S. Um, and it is exciting to watch and it's fun to watch. Um, but it's also like it doesn't determine the guys that are going to be the best. No, but, uh, you know, it gives you a little insight into what the teams are thinking mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, the choices that they do make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, you know, the 40-yard dash is the, you know... The Tom Brady special. The Tom Brady special. Yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Right? But, uh, you know, they use that as... And and could you not see in hockey, you know, I'd I'd watch it. I'd watch kids, you know, players starting from the back end Mm -hmm. and seeing how long it takes them to get to the, you know, blue line, red line, back. Of course. Put a stopwatch on there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, again... I would agree. It's fun to watch. Sure. But that's just basically an all-star skills competition. And also, like, it's individual skills. Yeah. Which a lot of... Like, if you talk to NHL scouts, um, they'll tell you, like, once they get to a certain level, most of the kids have all those skills. They're good passers. They're good shooters. They can skate. They can hit. They can do all those things. Right. But you need, as a scout, what you need to find is the intangibles. Sure. You need to find the character. Sure. You need to find the guy that's going to go the extra mile. Yeah. Um, so those things, a combine will never show. Right. So I think it's a little bit misleading to the average fan. Yeah. And it's more of a show. Sure. 
Um, I don't think it would be really important for GMs in the NHL to have a combine. Right. Like, I mean, they do their own physical testing yeah. within their yeah. programs and which, within their organizations. Yeah. Um, and maybe, yeah, like, like, I don't think it's an advantage to the GMs or the teams to have a combine, for, but I would think as a fan, it would be fun to watch because sure. it would just be like another all-star skills competition, yeah. right? Yeah, I'd like to you know know how much these guys can bench press. I would watch. I guarantee <laughs> you I would watch. If Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves were side-by-side -side doing bench press, yeah, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Hi. So, uh, Terry, the draft remains relatively unchanged uh, until 1995. And the introduction of the draft lottery. So what brought that on? Yeah, now, um, as I mentioned, Chris, from 1969 to 1994, teams picked last to first. Mm -hmm. So the general managers, they're always looking for loopholes and uh, trying, to, trying to get their advantages. So some of these were overboard or above board and, and some not. So let's look at the machinations of Canadian's GM, Sam Pollock, uh, to get Guy Lafleur first overall 1971. Now, that's an example of, of just being a smart GM, you know, playing, the, playing within, you know, playing the system as it, as it was laid out. So Lafleur was a can't-miss prospect, right? And a, a few years earlier, he would have been a Hab by birthright. So, however, uh, the Habs, nowhere, they'd be nowhere near the first pick in, in 1971. So Sam Pollock got busy. In May 1970, he traded Ernie Hickey, cash and the 10th pick in the 1971 draft to the California Golden Seals for their first pick in 1971. The great move happened in January of 1971. To keep the struggling Los Angeles Kings from tanking, Sam Pollock traded longtime Canadian stalwart Ralph Backstrom to the Kings, who finished strong and kept the Seals in last place. The Kings got Marcel Dion for their troubles. So that was a strong draft. Yeah. Yeah. Now, contrast that to how Mario Lemieux became a Penguin. And uh, for the listeners, there's a YouTube uh, uh, a documentary from TSN. It's called uh, Playing to Lose. Uh, you can see it on YouTube. Uh, you watched it. Yes. Yeah. Great and, documentary. Great documentary. 25 minutes, it's all. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and a great, a, a good job by TSN. Yeah. And, and just the overview of that was, uh, you know, the 1984 Penguins were in a race to the bottom with the Devils. Eddie Johnston was GM. Uh, of the Penguins, who oversaw a roster of 48 players yeah. that season. Mm -hmm. that, that's a bunch of guys. An AHL team is that, what they were saying. That's a bunch of guys on, you know, going through, yeah. yeah. So uh, he traded his best player, Randy Carlisle, to the Jets for a first and a player to be named later. Mm -hmm. So he got nothing back, uh, you know, immediately. Uh, after goalie Roberto Romano won two games in a row, Johnson sent him to the minors. The Pens lost 18 of their last 21, and got the right to draft Lemieux by three points in the standings. Lou Gotti, first captain of the Philadelphia Flyers and Penguins coach, he was the fall guy. Uh, Johnson fired him after that season, and he never coached again. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when controversy surrounded the Senators' last game in 1993, uh, before the draft of Alexander Daig, mm -hmm. uh, you know, their owner at the time came out and said, we're not trying to win, and then, oh, no, I didn't say that. You know, yeah, that's that's when Commissioner Gary Bettman, he'd seen enough. Yeah. And uh, the lottery started soon thereafter in 1995. And you remember, Bettman was an NBA guy. Right. He came from the NBA. And their lottery, the first in, in pro sports, it had started back in 1985. Right. Um, funny story from that documentary was um, 
You mentioned the goalie that came in and won two games in a row. Yeah, Roberto Romano. And then they brought in one of the guys in the documentary mentioned that they brought in a goalie that had been delivering milk. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, we don't know where this guy came from. He wasn't yeah. even like playing in the minors. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm pretty sure he was delivering, he was delivering milk, milk at the time. Exactly it. Yeah. yeah. No, it it it. Uh, Again, if you watch the documentary, you see, you know, again, Lou Angotti, what a what a soldier he was. He fell yeah. he fell on the sword. Eh? He did totally. You know, he he was just being the good company man, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, Eddie Johnson will go to his grave saying, eh, "Well, we did, we did, we didn't." Right. But you know, Lou Angotti was a little more straight up saying, right. "Yeah, we did what we had to do." Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to get into that a little deeper right now, or? Uh, well, we'll talk about what teams should or have to do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a little later. All right, perfect. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. What about uh, Sid the Kid? Sid how, the Kid. How yeah. did he come into the league? Right, and that that was again that wasn't that wasn't that was just go, good old fashioned luck and ineptitude on the Penguins' part. Right, the 2004-2005 uh, season it was canceled due to a lockout, money. Right? Yes, always money. Always. Yeah, without a season to base uh, the draft order, a one-off lottery for draft positions was held the lottery known colloquially as the Sidney Crosby sweepstakes, it was held July 22nd, the same day that the new CBA was approved. Teams were weighted based on playoff appearances in the last three completed seasons, so from 2001 to 2004, and first overall picks during those four drafts from 01 to 04. So three balls, uh, lottery balls each were assigned to teams which had not qualified for any of those playoffs, and had received no first overall picks. Teams which uh, were, had one playoff appearance or one first overall pick, they were given two lottery balls, and all the other teams received one ball each. So they, uh, they put all the balls in, they drew them, the teams from one to 30, and then they reversed the order for round two. They had a snake draft, right. which anyone who's ever been in a hockey pool will, mm -hmm. will recognize how that works. So the teams with three balls were Buffalo, Columbus, New York Rangers and the Penguins, and you know things fell to Penn's way that day. Just luck. Just luck, and you know it makes you wonder about karma because. Well, you yeah, know, that's yeah, right. You know, they if if anyone shouldn't have got it, it wouldn't have been them. But yeah. lo and behold, yeah, that's how they ended up with another it. savior for the franchise with another generational talent. Is exactly yeah, right. Exactly. So that was that. Obviously, that was an exceptional year because of the right. lockout. Yeah. But the lottery has changed a lot over the years. Today. Yeah, and and we'll we'll just go through it here. You know, rather quickly, Chris. Yeah. You know, and 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 again, keep in mind all these changes are working towards one thing. So from its inception through 2015, uh, there was one winner of the lottery. So from 95 to 2012, the team that won the draft lottery moved up no more than four positions in the draft order. So if the winner of the lottery was among the top five worst teams in any given season, that team won the first pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the team could move up no more than four spots, and that team would uh, you know, not receive the first overall choice. They changed it in 2013 to 2015. That was when the lottery winner received the first pick overall regardless of regular season point totals among the non-playoff teams. That's how uh, Edmonton ended up with uh, Connor McGregor. Mc or Connor yeah. McDavid, I'm yeah. sorry, Connor hey. McGregor. He's on your mind lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Connor McDavid, yes, mm -hmm. uh, and in 2015. Um, beginning with the 2016 draft and lasting until 2020, the first three selections were determined by the lottery. 
Any team that did not make the playoffs had a weighted chance to select first, second, or third. Now, like everything else in the world, COVID-19 caused a disruption to the 2020 draft. Along with the seven teams that did not make the playoffs, the teams that lost in the play-in round of the playoffs, they were given placeholder spots. When placeholder team E won the lottery, a second draw among the eight teams that had been eliminated, it was held and they had even odds for the number one pick. And that's how the Rangers got a hold of Alex Lafreniere. Lafreniere, yes. Mm. So now beginning this year, only two draws will be held, or were held for the uh, first two selections. And starting next year, the team winning one of the two lotteries will only be allowed to move up a maximum of 10 spots in the draft order, and teams will not be allowed to win the lottery twice in a five-year period. So all of these adjustments, yeah, right. again, they're continually right. fiddling with it to make it look like they're doing something. <laughs> yeah. But what they're trying in, in, their, in their defense, they're trying to lessen the odds of the last place team winning the lottery. So when the lottery first started back in 95, the, it, it's to discourage tanking. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and originally, the team that finished last had a 25% chance of winning the lottery. Now it's and now it's down to sixteen point six percent. Buffalo did finish last this year, right? And they did win the lottery. Yeah, but the odds of Buffalo winning are lower. Are lower. Yeah, that's the part I don't like. In the beginning, when they started this, what you said it was two thousand fifteen. Uh, well, that's when they started. Uh, yeah, two thousand thirteen was when they started right. playing. So with at it. that time, you could not move up more than five. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. Four, four spots. Four spots. So yeah. I kind of like that because. Obviously, the reason why we even have a draft in, in any order like that is so that the worst teams can get better. Right. So you want one of those worst teams in the league to definitely get. Yeah. Even if it's not the last place team, right. like you said, it should be somebody, in yeah. my opinion, yeah. in the bottom three. Right. But, yeah, they continue to fiddle with this and make, make right. changes, right? Yeah, yeah. So who's the biggest loser because of this lottery system? Uh, again, that would be up to, uh, you know, there's a, there's, there's a few, few there's yeah. a few candidates, yeah. but I, I don't think, I think if you look at 2007 and what happened to the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, the 2006, 2007 Flyers, they, uh, they'd gone from, uh, three straight 100 point seasons to a miserable 56 point season uh, the singles, uh, the sing- the biggest single season drop in league history. Right. Yeah. So the GM quits, the coach is fired, the Flyers dead last by double digits in the points. The draft featured that year one of the best American prospects of all time. And then came the lottery, in which the Blackhawks jumped up from fifth to earn the top pick. They used that selection to take Patrick Kane, who has won the Calder, the Conn Smythe, mm-hmm. and three Stanley Cups. The Flyers settled for James Van Riemsdyk, uh, who developed slowly before becoming a solid, if uns- good player. Yeah, if unspectacular contributor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no Patrick Kane. No, no. Uh, but it doesn't end there. Uh, three years after the lottery, the Flyers had turned things around enough to make the Stanley Cup Finals against those same Blackhawks, with a chance at the franchise's first championship in 35 years hanging in the balance. The two teams played a tight series that could have gone either way. But then Patrick Kane ended it in overtime of Game 6 in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So they lost the lottery, wound up with a worse player, and then saw the guy they'd missed out on score the Stanley Cup winning goal in their own building. Couldn't happen to a better team. (laughs) Jody Tessera will not be happy to hear that. 
<laughs> Sorry, Jody. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, to see them drop that much and they come back. Like, yeah. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, you know, to uh, you know, come, just to the way do the that circle around, and the way the circle makes, or the way the circle comes around. That's right. Yeah, mate. yeah, it's it, crazy. It Patrick was, uh, Kane, Patrick Kane. Yeah, so, the one uh, that got away. Yeah, and and again, there's the thing with the with you know, you can understand how you know the lottery, how they're trying to move things around mm -hmm. and, and keep it competitive, etc. But you know, as long as they have it, there's going to be stories. Right. Stories like that. I don't that. think it'll ever be perfect science. Of course not. No. And we have to do, like, there obviously has to be something there to prevent teams from tanking. Right. And they haven't figured out how to do it perfectly yet. Indeed. But uh, hopefully they're getting closer. So this year's draft, Terry, let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. Well, again, there was a couple of, uh, of big stories the, yeah. uh, on, the, uh, on the positive side, of course. What, what is in the water in Ann Arbor, Michigan? Just, I think, just history. They have such a strong history of a yep. great program, and that attracts people, and it attracts the best of the best. Um, there's a lot more kids these days. Even I'm talking to kids locally here in Hong Kong who are just coming back from graduating from a high school prep school in somewhere in the northern U.S., in, right. in Michigan or in yep. Minnesota yep. or somewhere somewhere in, that, uh, in the northern part of the U.S. there. But that's become a thing. So people from all over the world are going there for prep school, for high school, and it's leading to them wanting to play for the biggest and best yeah. university programs. Obviously, Michigan, yeah. one of the best. Of course. So, yeah, yeah I think just uh, strength breeds strength. I yeah. mean, it makes people want to go there. The, the numbers, though, they had, they had uh, three guys from their current team, mm -hmm. five guys total. So a couple In the of, first round. In the first round. Yeah. Six guys picked overall. So it was Owen Power went first. Mm -hmm. Matthew uh, Beniers yep. was second. They were the first teammates to go 1-2 since 1969. Wow. That's the only other time it happened. Who and was it? That was Réjean Houle and Marc Tardif from the Montreal Junior Canadiens. Okay. So that was... So the it's the first time from NCAA. First time from NCAA and or first anything else. For, or yeah. anything else. Wow. Yeah, that, that teammates went 1-2. And then, uh, of course, you, you saw Luke Hughes go for the great reaction from the Hughes family. Yeah. Right? They had his brother going to, you know, play uh, you know, yeah. the same team with the Devils with his brother. Uh, Kent Johnson went five to uh, Columbus. Uh, a guy, uh, Mackie Sam Semsakovich, Sam Semsakovich, Sam, uh, 24. Close enough. Yeah, to, uh, to Florida. He's yeah. an incoming He's he's an incoming freshman, right? Dylan Duke uh, to the uh, to the uh, Tampa Bay at one twenty four. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the 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 fact that the NCA becomes more and more of a viable option, yeah, for kids, and and I think Chris, I know you're a, a great promoter of the CHL, yeah, and and I mean this is one thing that really is, you know, I I think helping the junior leagues because it, as a, if you were a parent, you know, do you ride the buses? Right. Do you ride the buses or do you take the free ride mm -hmm. at a at a, a university right. and a, you know and uh, you know at any university? Yeah. You know. That, well, I think at, I think at one point people thought that was the only way. Right. That's yes. how I'm going to make it. I got to go yeah. play junior. I got to ride the buses. Yeah. I got to go through the system. Yeah. But now people have another option. That's right. So yeah. they can still get their education. They can get scholarships. They can go to university. Yeah. And. Um, if, if they do stay the junior route, though, mm -hmm. at least now, the CHL is available to them. Yes. And it continues to provide, uh, you know, again, a viable option. Of course. You know, yeah, it's good hockey. It's good hockey. Yeah. But, I mean, like, these guys are getting 
probably a better ride because they're getting an education for one and they're they're coming out at a time when they can actually go and contribute to an nhl team so they're a little bit bigger a little bit more mature a little bit stronger and only the elite of the elite players end up playing in the nhl under the age of 20 of course so it's a handful of guys yes you know yeah so i think you're better off to go the development route right get a little bit bigger a little bit stronger and teams aren't like Oh, he went NCAA. I'm not going to take a chance on him. Right. It's not like that anymore. Those, those days, those days are, are long gone. gone. Long gone. Long gone. That's yeah. Exactly so there's right. definitely something in the water in Michigan, and I think it's just in their history. Yep. It's a, it's a strong program, and it's making people want to play there. That's right. And yeah. success breeds success. Always. Yeah. Now, of course, the other story to come out of the first round mm-hmm. of the uh, this year's NHL draft involved your team. It did. The, the Montreal Canadiens and their, uh, their pick at 31, and they took a youngster named Logan Mayu. Mm-hmm. And would you care to uh, speak to that a little bit? Sure, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, like this is one of those things where um, if it was any other team, I wonder if the story would be as big. Because it is the Montreal Canadiens, and, yeah. it, and you know they're usually under a bit of a microscope. Um, I'm not going to use that as, a, as an excuse as to why they're getting nailed so hard in the media, but they just they deserve to be nailed. Justifiably, it's justifiable. Um, but it's like, would it have if that if it had been the Arizona Coyotes, would it have been a, as big of a story? That's. Uh, but yeah. here, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, my thoughts are, you know, um, at first I really didn't think it was uh, a smart move by the Habs. And the more I thought about it, like, why did they do it? What was their intentions? Um, you know, are they actually going to follow through with the things they're saying? Like, we're going to help this kid improve as a person. We're going to get him the help he needs. Right. That has to be proven. You can't just right. throw those things yeah. out there and say we're going to yeah. do that. And, it's, and, yeah, it's an, that and, and everyone, like, okay, okay, we, we, we trust you. Right. You know, like, do yeah. that. Um, the other thing is. He was a top 25 in, in North American skaters in, yep. uh, uh, from N- Central Scouting, sorry. And the Habs only had two picks in the top 65. So they wanted to get the best player. And I think they, I think it was pretty much a consensus that he was going to be chosen. You're, you're right there, At Chris. some point you're, in the draft. You're, you're right there. It's, mm. it's, you know, not to uh, exonerate or excuse the Habs, mm. but, and, and again, this just shows that it's still a hockey problem. Right, but yeah, the word the word out was that he was going to go, and he was going to go. You know, the Habs again didn't have another shot until '63. Right, he was going to go on day two. Yeah, someone was going to take him. For they, sure, they said like eleven or twelve teams had him off their board mm-hmm. altogether. Yeah, and but someone was going to yeah eventually draft the draft the young man. Right, so yeah. it's like, and it's also like you have to take into consideration that this is a business, so they're yeah. trying to get the best player available, and. Um, they're willing to take that little hit, you know, with the um, reputation, I guess. Right. Um, to get to, to, you know, get the opportunity to have a better player. Right. So my question is, um, if they, if another team was going to take them and Montreal ended, ends up doing it, you know, people are mad at it. People are really angry that it was the Habs. But yeah. if, it, if it had been in the third round, is it as big a story? That's my question. Well, um, we sort of have the answer for that. For, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, uh, the whole thing with the Habs choosing this kid, I just thought it was very selfish. Mm-hmm. And it was very selfish um, because the Habs, and again, you're right, it's, this is a professional sport, and you're trying to do what's best for your team. Mm-hmm. But by choosing this kid, they put their needs 
certainly in front of the victim's needs. Of course. And, and anyone else who's been a victim of, of assault like that. Right. Um, because this guarantees that the story stays in the media. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the lady, more than anything, would just like to be left for alone. For it to go away. For mm-hmm. it to go away. Mm-hmm. They also put themselves in front of Logan Mayu's needs. Right. He came out and said, don't draft me. He came out and said to all the teams in the league, listen, I made a mistake. Let me go away. Let me do the work and, and put my nose down and stay out of trouble and come back next year and with proof that I have matured and I'm mm-hmm. a little better. But by doing, by the Habs drafting him, they've really put the scarlet letter on him because now he's guaranteed to have this follow him everywhere he goes. Yeah. Right? It's not going to be a case of, oh, gee, I remember something about that kid. Now it's always going to be Logan Mayu, right. that kid. But and, a year later, if that story comes out a year later, after he's drafted, right. is it different? Or like if they wait the year and he, nobody drafts him, he's, he goes through this whole draft, nobody drafts him, right. he goes out there, he yeah. makes himself a better person, yeah. um, however he does that, right. um, is it going to make a difference? Or is of course it still it's going to make a difference. If it's going to be a story next year when he gets drafted well, in the first round? Well, of course it's going to make a difference. Okay. Because he's, he's gone out and he's, he's done the work. He's, okay. you know, he's, again, as I read online, mm-hmm. at least one thing this kid has learned is what it's like to have something to happen to him without his consent. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. You know, he has not to be drafted. Yeah. And so would the Habs drafted without yeah. his consent. Yeah. So, you know, maybe in a backhanded way he learned something. Right. Uh, also, though, finally, the Habs, it was a selfish decision, again, as far as the league was concerned. Because was anyone talking about the teammates going one or two? No, we were all talking about Logan Mayu. Right. And, and you brought up a point about, hey, if this kid had been uh, you know, drafted later, mm-hmm. let's just back, look back one year ago, Mitchell Miller, yeah. taken in the fourth round by uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And the NHL, there wasn't a horse high enough for them to get on and tut-tut about bullying and right. shameful, no, 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 this kid, yeah. no, 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 no. But now this year, right, we have a kid that, oh, but this guy's good. Right. This guy's first round good. Mm-hmm. And now it's sort of like, you know, don't get us wrong. Right. You know, we're not condoning. Right? Yeah. yeah. But again, along in the short of it, if you're a team and you have to put together a statement, you know, if you're already apologizing, yeah. if you're already apologizing before you make the pick, yeah. maybe you shouldn't have just made the pick. Yeah. You know, it might have just well. That's a good. That's a very good point. And I mean, for me, it's like I'm kind of torn on this because, of course, um, I see it as a business. I understand the game of hockey. Like, I don't. I'm not a fanboy. Like, I'm not just like jumping on the bandwagon of whatever the media is saying. Right. I'm trying to look at this like from a different perspective and be like, if the kid's gonna get chosen, he's gonna play professional hockey. Um, where's the precedent that says like when and how? There's not. Right. So every one of these situations is gray. It's yep. not black and white. No. Um, here's an 18-year-old kid who, is he 18 yet? He's 17. Right. So yeah. here's a kid who made a horrible mistake. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, redemption, everyone deserves it at some point. Sure. But when is that? Well, What's the but? Like, when, yeah. when does that happen? Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it after he apologizes? Um, if he, you know, he didn't go to jail. Um, what well, happened in Sweden? Exactly. So, right. I mean, 
did he get his punishment? Did it meet the crime? Right. Is he going to pay the price for this for the rest of his life? Sure. And I think what you said about how he's got this like a scarlet letter now. Yeah. So it's going to be stamped on his forehead for the rest of his life. And, 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 and again, that just comes back to it for me was the kid, again, realized he made a mistake. And whether it was for, you know, selfish PR reasons or whatever, mm -hmm. at least he said, again, what I didn't like was don't draft me. Yeah. Just leave me but alone. But do you think that do you think that was coming from him or was that something the organization told him to say to make himself look better? Well, maybe not the organization, but maybe his own, you know, his, his own, own organization. Yeah. That's what yeah, I mean yeah. in Sweden. Yeah. Well, like I, you have to say this to try and clear your name. Well, yeah, but I but regardless, you know, the Habs didn't listen. They did not. They did not. So, and and again, you know, hockey with its struggle always mm -hmm. about in being inclusive. Yeah. With with uh, with uh, with women with uh, bullying, with sexuality, mm -hmm. you know, they, all sports, and it's not, hey, it's not just hockey, yeah. right? Uh, every professional sport, every organization, yeah. you know, education, business, they all struggle. With every all of business, of yeah. course. And what of I would have, I would, like, if, if they could go back, what I would have liked to have seen done is, like, no NHL team is allowed to draft this kid this year. There you go. There let's just go. let's yeah. just say no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why was he even allowed? Why why can't Gary Batman step That's in as right. commissioner and say this That's kid right. really screwed up? Yeah. Um, we don't think he deserves the privilege. Like he even talked about himself. It's a privilege yeah. to be drafted into the NHL. Yeah. So why leave it open for like, you know, like you said, he was gonna be drafted anyway. So Bergevin's like, Well, it might as well be me. I'll take the hit for it. Why was right. it even an option? That's right. I mean, if the league really cared, yeah. then they would have they would have made it a non- issue yeah, they would have right. said this guy's not available yeah, this year very good point right and 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 i i will i will my last point about this is mm -hmm. the one thing they had did for sure was any goodwill that they'd engendered yeah. from this you know miracle run to the cup this mm -hmm. year i mean that's out the window mm -hmm. right totally you know, yeah i mean you know i didn't hate them this year but i remember hating them as a youngster and I thought maybe, oh man, man, yeah, maybe I got Montreal wrong, wrong. Yeah, a lot of people were saying that yeah, this year. Yeah, I like this team actually. Yeah, geez, They're fun you know, to watch. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. So thanks, Mark Bruce. Yeah, man. exactly. Yeah. So we can't we can't walk by without giving Paul an opportunity to uh, throw his two cents in here on the love, Habs. Love to hear. Um, love I'm to sure hear. Paul would love to uh, chime in on this one. What do you think, Paul? What are your well, thoughts on the Habs this, situation? I definitely wasn't one of those people saying, you know what, maybe I was wrong about the Habs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've never wavered. No, I would never say that. Uh, Never. Like, no, 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 no. I still hate the Habs. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And if they don't, well, let me make it. They're known. not listening. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I don't know. I do think it was kind of a, I don't want to say a stupid move. I'm picking up that kid. But, yeah, uh, I get it. Yeah, maybe they're saying, well, we'll take him. He's, he's a good prospect. We can work on him. We can... Uh, you know, help him improve and become a better player and all that kind of stuff. But uh, on the same hand, I think with him saying don't draft me, then, yeah, yeah, I don't think he should have been drafted. Right. I think, and even if it was like, well, like say, maybe next year they're going to be saying the same thing, like, that. oh, that's that kid that did this or that. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think he should have taken a, a year off and, yeah, tried to prove himself, tried to make amends for his mistakes and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. Like in any other kind of uh, job application, if you kind of stepped uh, across the line like he did, are they going to go? Well, you know, let's give him a chance. Right. They'd say no. You got to prove yourself. Like, yeah, 
make amends, make uh, make us think that yeah, you okay, yeah, you screwed up, but yeah, you became a better player. And yeah, he's seventeen. Everyone makes stupid mistakes when you're seventeen years old, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, no, I don't think he should have been drafted. He should have yeah. been ineligible, in my opinion. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Especially when the guy comes out and says, "Hey, I don't want to be drafted this year." Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. can't the, why can't the whole league just say, "All oh, right, this yeah. kid doesn't want to be drafted." That's well, right. then, yeah. don't draft him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Why yeah. aren't uh, yeah those? Uh, and yeah, why couldn't Batman step in and go, "Okay, guys, let's not pick this guy this right. year." Yeah, exactly. Let's, uh, yeah, but it's Gary Batman. He's all over money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, have suck. Yeah. <laughs> moral yeah. of the story. Yeah, moral of the story. Yeah. Moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah. As a wise man once said, yeah, have yeah. suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. And and again, only time is going to tell with, you know, uh, and not just, of course, the, the, the situation with Logan Mayu, but every single kid, Every pick. Every pick. Yeah. Every pick from number one to number 217. And, and you know, Chris, I, I, again, it's, it's how about, how about a, 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 just a word right now about mm-hmm. those, about the things. So scouts know nothing. Right, uh, but scouts know everything. But scouts know nothing. So, yeah. so what are so some of the other things uh, you mentioned? You mentioned intangibles. Yes, and that's the word that always comes up. And when I first interviewed uh, Troy Dumville, who's a scout for the Columbus Blue Jackets, right. like that's one of the biggest things he kept talking about. Like, there's so many kids out there that are equally as good at skating, yeah. at shooting, at passing, at all of the physical, um, you know, skills evolved in the game, but. There's a big difference to when you find a kid who's got the intangibles, which is the heart, the courage, right. determination, kids that don't quit, kids that are great teammates, yeah. great leaders, kids that put the team in front of themselves. Yeah. And those are the things that would never show up in a combine, the things that would right. never show up on a score sheet. Yeah. But like something that Troy talked about a lot, like the fact that when I go to watch kids, I'm watching their body language when they're coming off after a bad shift. I'm watching how they treat a kid on the bench who comes off the ice after a bad shift yeah. or coughs up a puck and gives up a scoring opportunity. So like the, the job of a scout now isn't exactly like it used to be. Like sure. they used to sit there with like a rating system one to ten, yeah. like skating one to ten, right, uh, right. crossovers on the right side at one to ten, yeah. like a backwards left crossovers. Like there was little like things like that. But now it's a totally different game because the game has grown so much and there's right. so many great players all around the world yeah. that are this close to being in the NHL, but only point something percent of them are going to make it. You That's know what right. I mean? So yeah, yeah. It, it gets back, you know, the great, uh, the great scene in Moneyball. Yeah. Right. The, uh, the baseball movie, Love where, that movie. Uh, you know, and again, the scouts are, are sitting around with Billy Bean mm-hmm. and, and the scout says, uh, talking about one guy, well, he's got an ugly girlfriend. Yeah. Right. And and he said, well, what's what the hell does that mean? I was, well, see, ugly girlfriend. That just shows a lack of confidence. And, and then they argue back and yeah. forth. Some, and then the guy says, listen, his girlfriend's a six at best. That's all I'm saying. So dead you know, serious. Dead though. serious. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's dead serious. Shows right? a so, lack of confidence. Yeah, never be a closer. <laughs> never be, never a closer. be a closer. That's exactly it. Yeah. Now, you, know, you mentioned intangibles. Uh, the other thing I think yeah. that really makes a difference and, and draft these have no control over is who drafts you. That's right. And and again, you get back to your man, uh, Fabian Joseph. Yep. Right from from Cape Breton. Mm-hmm. Right. And and just you find yourself. Some guys just find themselves in a situation where you know Fabian Joseph is drafted by Chicago. If he's drafted by 
Uh, you know, so yeah. he, he gets drafted by the Edmonton Oilers at the height in their prime. of the Edmonton Oilers yeah. being the Edmonton Oilers. Exactly. It was exactly it. So yeah. you, you know, there's something that, you know, again, it, it's it's inexact, right? And eras are also a big part of it. It's just the style of the game in right. that era. Yes. So yeah. as a small player in the 80s, you right. it was really tough to get a chance. Yeah. And a lot of the guys that made it as small players were either late round draft picks or yeah. not drafted at all. Right. And we're going to we're going to talk <laughs> yeah, about that in a moment. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, of course, is injury. Injuries, huge part. You know, yeah. You just you're one play away. Yeah. At all times. Your draft year, busting a shoulder, blowing out a knee. Yeah. Change your whole career. That's it. Yeah. Or you know, your second year in the minor, fifth year in the league. Right. It just you're always you know. A lot of things have to happen to make the NHL. Is exactly, a lot is of things exactly have to go it. right. Yeah. yeah. J- j- just quickly, Chris, you yeah. say that that the scouting is is changing. What what about the saber metrics? Do do you think? How uh, much of an effect is it having on on the scouting now? Well, again, the metrics is only showing you the exact numbers, like skill-wise. Right. Um, it's not showing you the intangibles. Right. So there's still, yeah. uh, yes, I think it's making scouts' jobs a lot easier because it's taken that part out. Right. It's like there's a computer doing it for you now. Right. Yeah. So they can actually go focus on finding good kids, finding character guys. Yeah. Um, maybe that maybe it makes their jobs a little easier. That's a good question, actually. I don't know if I asked Troy that, but I will. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I mean, the job of a scout, and now like they've got scouts in every league. You've got right. Every major junior team has like six scouts that are out at midget games and yeah. bantam games. So like. There's scouts everywhere now, right. and people yes. can get noticed from anywhere, which right. is another cool thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 there's something we're gonna like. I like I say, I'm just I'd like to throw up some guys that came late. Yeah, right. So uh, for example, Luke Robitaille. Right. Reputation Luke, of it, it, well, he he lasted to round nine. One round se- nine. Round nine. Yeah. One seventy one overall. Right. And and why do you think he dropped? Well, era, same thing. Not a great skater. Soft. Right. Soft. Eh? Not a tough player. Right. Um, yeah, you know, could, would never last in the, that era, right. but proved everybody wrong. Indeed. Yeah. Um, what about Theo Fleury? Round eight, one sixty-six. Same thing. Tiny. Tiny. So those guys had to do everything times ten that yeah. a bigger guy had to do right. to make the NHL. Right. What about yeah. uh, so? And the same, I think, uh, Doug Gilmore. Yeah, got to be the round, same. Round seven, one hundred and thirty-four. Same era, same style of guys. Yeah. Um, you yeah. have to be, and like you think of it now, if you look back, these are the some of the best players in the league yeah yeah and guys that barely got an opportunity yeah and turned out to be the best players in the league that's right so that's something that maybe at that time a scout wasn't looking for the intangibles right yeah they yeah. were looking for big strong fast yeah. powerful yeah you know which probably they they still are right of you course know, the measurables of course exactly because yeah, again those it's, are the it's easy things yeah well but it's cya right yeah. it's cover your ass exactly yeah, but i mean the guy's six foot eight and, yeah you know yeah, can you know is that big? What what about uh what about Brett Hall? I was surprised he went he went number one seventeen round six. Alcohol uh, <laughs> could have something to do with that. Maybe you have reputation. A little bit of a party guy. Uh, yeah, reputation, well, I mean, in right? in that time yeah. for him to have that reputation, yeah. was kind of rare. But now, if you're a guy who you can't hide that, right? With the social media now, with yeah. the, with things the way they are, there's no way you'd be able to hide that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Hull did. What he, year would it he get drafted? Uh, do you know? Yeah, what would that have been? In the eighties, nineties. It's uh, got to be yeah. mid eighties. Mid eighties. Yeah. Right. He yeah. did. He did go to university. Yeah. Right. He went down to uh, I think maybe Minnesota Duluth for a couple of years mm-hmm. and did a little growing up. <laughs> yeah. 
right? Maybe. It, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, a very good point, though, about the social media. Right. Right. You can't you hide know, from that yeah, anymore. I mean, even he, he had that reputation even in a day when. Right. Right. It was hard. Exactly. To, yeah. Hard to know. Guys what, would have turned a blind eye on that stuff. What back anyone then. was doing. Yeah. Um, the last couple, Henrik Zetterberg, mm -hmm. round seven, two ten, and Pavel Datsayuk, round six, one seventy one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's good scouting. That's good scouting. And Detroit had some of the best scouts in the world for a long, long time. And again, they had that advantage. Mm -hmm. um, as you just finished saying, yeah. though, it's become a much more level playing field. Right. Teams now. Yeah. Th these diamonds in the rough. Are are a little rarer now, right? You know, a guy they're being, they're being noticed early on everywhere. Everywhere, yeah, is exactly it. Yeah. And 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 again, kids should never get up hope because no. you know some some players never drafted at all. Listen exactly. To, listen to some of these names: Curtis Joseph, mm -hmm. Sergey Bobrovsky, yep, Dan Boyle, mm -hmm. Martin Saint Louis, Marty, yeah, Tim Kerr, Adam Oates, Dino Cicerelli. Jeff Cortnell, yeah. some Gretzky guy. Some guy named Gretzky. Some guy named Gretzky. How many Hall of Famers on that list right there? Oh, boy, boy. And, uh, you know. So never drafted. Never drafted. Yeah. Yeah, UFAs and, and, and on and had, again, as you said, in some instances, Hall of Fame careers. Right. Yeah. Um, we touched on this in the podcast a few weeks ago, but we didn't have the whole story. So I want you to kind of clarify what what happened here with the great one you know and so yeah yeah and getting back why why was gretzky you know how did that come about yeah getting back we asked this question at the quiz mm -hmm. and that was one question that we tried to sneak by who who did gretzky first play for yeah but everyone knew the indianapolis racers a lot of people a lot did. of people did yeah. yeah i thought we'd catch some people there they'd just say edmonton but no they were they were aware of, they must have listened <laughs> That was the one part we got right. I yeah, think. yeah, indeed. In yeah. The story. Yeah. Right. The so, Indianapolis Racers. That's it. So as, as far as undrafted players go, yeah, of the course, great the one. greatest one was the great one. Mm -hmm. um, in 1977, at 16, Wayne Gretzky scored 182 points with the Sioux Greyhounds. So he was four years away from being drafted. He hinted at playing in Europe. So the WHA had started drafting players in 1973, just three days after the NHL draft. That year, the NHL showed the WHA it was still boss, signing all 16 of its first-round picks before the rival league could get its hands on any one of them. The NHL-WHA competition was great for players who were able to sign the most lucrative rookie contracts in NHL history. This included a staggering five-year, $600,000 contract for Toronto's Lanny McDonald, which kept the number four pick from signing with the WHA's team in Cleveland. By 1978, the WHA was letting underage players play, so Gretzky signed a four- to seven-year personal services contract with Nelson Scal Scalbania and the Indianapolis Racers. Ahead of the forthcoming merger with the NHL, Scalbania sold the team to Peter Pocklington. The NHL expected the contract to be voided and Gretzky to become part of the entry draft, like all the other eligible WHA players. However, Gretzky said no, not wanting to go to the Colorado Rockies, who had first choice overall. Rob Ramage went there instead. And he did this by citing the fact that he had not signed a hockey contract. Right. Yeah, it wasn't a hockey. It was a personal services contract. Mm -hmm. So the NHL folded. They compromised. And they made the Oilers select last in the first round, where, by the way, they picked up Kevin Lowe. Not bad. Not bad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, yeah, they punished them. But, again, if you're a smart GM, yeah. you uh, you get over the punishment. If you're not at the edge of cheating at all times, you're not trying, right? Well, it's, you know, as, as a Pats fan, right? <laughs> as, uh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So. 
Uh, before we finish with yeah. with a great with a great draft story, yes, we have a great draft story to mm-hmm. finish with. Um, what about what about a redraft? So yeah, we've this talked is, about this. a this little bit. This is a bit. popular thing to do. Right? It, it is, yeah. and um, it's fun to look back at drafts that happened in the past. Look at the guys who went the top five, yeah, and uh, see where they're at today. See where they're at today, and and then maybe offer up, you know, a yeah. coulda, shoulda, woulda. Right. Hindsight always being twenty twenty. Yeah. And and do you want to? Go, we'll go back to twenty twelve. Yeah. So you threw the date at me, twenty twelve, because yeah. it's a kind of the last year that a number one pick turned out to be kind of a bust, a bust if you want to say that yeah right and i i, I mean don't, i don't like the term bust well he's a professional hockey player so he's do you know how, doing a lot do better you know, than we are yeah do you know how good you have to be <laughs> yeah of course i mean have. we say that with in the nicest way possible right yes um, yeah yeah a miss a miss yeah swing but, and a but, miss. but neil yakupov right still i think the best hockey name it's a I mean, great he was, name. It was, he was, it was a number one name, without a doubt. But right. he, he, he turned out maybe not to be a number one choice. Cur- currently playing in the KHL. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so 2012. Yeah, he went first. He went first. Second pick was Ryan Murray. Ryan Murray, yeah. Third pick was Alex Galchenyuk. Right. The fourth pick was Griffin Reinhardt. <sighs> and the fifth pick was Morgan Riley. Right. So in that draft, um, we you, I mean... You can do all the research you want, but you got to look at where they're at today. Yeah. And if you were to pick who 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 would you be your, your top five right now? Um, I mean, we have we've had the advantage of looking back at the whole draft, so our right. listeners will have to play the game. Uh, they'll have to press pause, uh, go back to the 2012 draft, um, look at the guys who came later, and try to redraft them in the, right. the top five that you would have picked. So um, we're, we're also going to get Paul to chime in on this one. Do you have your top five, Terry? Or do you, you want uh, me to go first? You go first. All right, I'll go first, Polly. Um, so that year, Andre Vasilevsky was drafted later in the first round. Yeah. And I think he's a no-brainer for the guy who should have been drafted first overall. I so I would go Vazzy. Imagine if Vazzy was in Edmonton since 2012. Well... You I mean, know, that's a whole have, different program. Uh, yeah, it is, right? right? And again, what uh, came later with, uh, you know, the, the later pick they hit on. Yeah. Right? You exactly. Know. So um, my second pick that year would be uh, Philip Forsberg, who originally went number 11. Right. I would have him number two in that draft. Um, number three, I would have Connor Hellebuck, who I believe went in the, was it the second round? Let me double check. Uh, No, he went in the fifth fifth round. round, Sorry, fifth round, round, Connor Hellebuck. So I would have him third overall. Um, Fourth, I would have terrible Tommy Wilson. Um, I just (laughs) think his impact on the game can be so drastic. I mean, he can be on your power play line or he can be your enforcer. Um, He went originally 16th overall. I would have him in the four spot. And then uh, the four five is a bit of a toss up, but I think I would have Jacob Slavin a little bit ahead of Morgan Riley. Um, I just like Slavin's overall game a little bit more than Morgan Riley's. Right. So that would be my top five. How about you guys? Um, I, I, I think it's hard to argue with Vasilevsky yeah. right off the top. And and Hellebuck in there somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's easy to see, oh, yeah, we, we should be gar- drafting goalies. Yeah, exactly. Right, Five know. years, or sorry, nine years later. Nine years it's later, easy, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, a couple of names you didn't mention. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip Forsberg. Yep. No, he, I had him oh, at two. sorry, you had him at two. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. I got him six behind Slavin. Right. And and uh, another goalie who went that year, Frederick Anderson. 
and Matt Murray and Matt Murray later so, on. So, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was again. It turned out to be a uh, it turned out to be a you know a, a good goalie year. It was actually any any of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. You know the Isles with with that picket for yeah Griffin Reinhardt. I mean, you know, I just that one didn't work out. No, no, there was a lot of good players. Josh Anderson was in this draft. Um, Thomas Hurdle was in this draft. Jacob Truba, Matt Dumba. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Adam Pellick was in this draft as well. Yeah, yeah, they did well there. Yeah, he was third rounder. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Paul? Paulie, what do you think? Are you going to argue with Vazzy? No, I mean, yeah, as uh, Kucherov would have called him, some guy in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, he pretty much nailed everyone I was looking at, too. And, uh, yeah, Anderson went 87th overall. He mm-hmm. was in the third round. Yeah. Uh, definitely think he should have went a little bit earlier, but like uh, you're saying before, goaltenders don't always kind of get picked in the first little bit because of uh, yeah. yeah the gamble you're working on. But yeah, I was kind of the same. Vazzy, Forsberg, probably would have went Wilson third. Really, you know. Tom Wilson that high? Eh? Well, yeah. as it much d- as he is a kind of a jerk, right? He's yeah. he's pretty good. Yeah, um, Hellebuck. Yeah, he was fifth round, 130th overall. I yeah. think the only uh, guy that kind of landed where he should have would be Morgan Riley. He yeah, was, he was fifth overall. Yeah, that, that kind of, kind of, yeah, that's sounded about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, Anderson going in third round is kind of the big surprise there. Right. Uh, and Vazzy still did go first round. He was nineteenth overall. But yeah, looking at him now, I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. easy to go back on the goalies, like we said. Oh, absolutely. Corpusawa was also a third-round pick that year. Yeah. Matt Murray, a third-round pick. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba was seventh overall, which I guess, yeah, not really. Right. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. a good player, but maybe a bit of a reach there. Right? Yeah. A reach at seven. Yeah, 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 absolutely. A reach but, at seven. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much yeah, in agreement with uh, with Chris that doesn't happen too often but yeah I'll agree with you there. <laughs> mark that down folks yeah, yeah, yeah. he said it yeah yeah. Uh, yeah but uh yeah matt murray went in the third round he was 83rd overall he should have been a little bit higher yeah uh, and it, it and it's the kind of thing again you can just you can pick a year at random yeah yeah you know that was tw- that was 2012 you yeah, know I, yeah. I, um how long do you think maybe you'd have to wait to so i mean of course three or four years three or four years yeah for yeah. a goaltender yeah for a gold or, or for, for anyone yeah for anyone right yeah yeah, three yeah. or four years should tell the tale. Right. Yeah. But I guess at that point, uh, we still three years after that would have been 2015. We still would have had high hopes for Yakupov. Yeah, of <laughs> course. You know, because he was still like, yeah. oh, is he going to be a superstar? Right, right. Yeah. And, and Wait, of, no, of course, the, well, but the higher you go, mm-hmm. the more chances you're given. Right, yeah. that's true. You know, if if they've invested a first round pick in you, or the a leash second is a little longer. Is yeah. exactly right. Yeah. You know, you just get you just get fewer opportunities yeah. the further down the chain you are. Absolutely. And, you know, well, did you see who went third that year? Was? Oh, Galley. The Galchenyuk, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he's still in the league. Still in the league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's proven himself. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Third this, overall. Uh, wow. Six, uh, Hampus Lindholm. Yeah. I mean, reliable player, but I mean, you would never expect him to be that high up in the draft. And but. and I'm looking I'm looking at the top ten here. Uh, Derek Puglio. Pouliot, yeah. In Pouliot, yeah. In yeah. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. He's been back and forth between a minor leaguer and an NHLer. And what yeah. about number ten? Number ten. Who was number ten? Slater. Uh, Slater Cuckoo. 
Slater Cuckoo. Yeah. Uh, good role player. Um, yeah. Not a not a but household a name. Yeah. Bit of a reach. Bit of a reach. It's all yeah, but I mean it's hilarious to go back and look at some of these guys. Yeah. I mean yeah. they just you know, they're supposed to be way better and it just doesn't they don't make that next step. They don't nope. make that next step. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. it's different, man. And uh, for reasons, you know, for a variety so of reasons. So many reasons. So many reasons. Yeah. Well, I guess last year's first pick, what the hell? Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, yeah nah. Uh, he just wasn't like they, that's a classic story for me of an 18 year old that is not ready for the NHL. Right. No. But I mean, give him two years. Right. And hopefully he's not ruined by then. Right. Confidence wise. And, right. you know, but yeah, that's th- kind of the gamble when you throw a guy who's 18 years old in the NHL. Yeah. Happens. Happens. So let's get to that story, Terry. The greatest draft story ever. Oh, I think I don't think there's any doubt about this one. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it starts with. Eric Lindros. <laughs> <laughs> the Quebec Nordiques. Is the this Quebec where we're going? No, we're, oh, not, we're not going there. We're not going there. We're going a little further back. All four, right. For your time. Okay. For your time. Uh, and, 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 of course, we know that because the first name I'm going to say is, is George Punchimlack. There you go. Yeah, so and Punchimlack was a hockey lifer. Uh, he was the coach GM of the Leafs through the 1960s, uh, winning four cups, including their last one. He mm-hmm. was the man behind the bench. In '67, when the Leafs uh, last uh, last lifted the cups, uh, in uh, 1970, he became the first coach GM of the expansion Buffalo Sabers. In that draft, Commissioner Clarence Campbell spun a carnival wheel like you'd find at the Bill Lynch Show. Yeah, yeah, for the first pick, and then misread it as number one, giving the other new franchise, the Vancouver Canucks, first pick. Imlock immediately pointed out that the wheel had in fact stopped on 11. Therefore, Buffalo got to draft Gilbert Perrault, mm. who wore number 11 because of this, and Vancouver settled for Dale Talon. That story pales in comparison to that of Punch Imlac and Taro Sujimoto. By 1974, the NHL and the WHA were in such fierce competition to sign players, the NHL elected to stage its draft in a secret conference call based out of NHL headquarters in Montreal. By keeping the draft picks a secret, the league hoped to prevent the WHA from tampering with its contract negotiations for individual players. The NHL also set its draft two days before the WHAs to make sure it would have a jump on signing junior talent. The problem was, it wasn't a conference call like we understand a conference call. It was one phone call at a time. Clarence Campbell would repeat every pick to each individual team. Therefore, it took three days to complete all the picks. By day two, Punch Imlac was so disgusted by the process that he and Paul Wieland, Buffalo's director of communications, decided to have some fun to break the tedium. Hmm. They did this by making a player up. Wieland remembered driving by the Sujimoto fruit and vegetable stand outside Buffalo regularly while in college. So they called the shop and asked the owner what a common name was for a Japanese boy. Taro, the owner said. They then asked him how to say saber or sword in Japanese, and they were told that a samurai sword was called a katana. When Campbell called for their 11th round pick, number 183 overall, they informed him that the Buffalo Sabres selected Taro Sujimoto from the Tokyo Katanas and laughed at the thought of the commissioner spelling that name to every other team that he called. They kept the ruse going until training camp, 
making sure Taro Sujimoto had a stall in the dressing room and telling reporters that he trained in the Himalayas. And Imlac was right to mock the whole process because the secrecy plan was a fiasco, as word of all the draft picks leaked out through agents and unnamed league sources. The draft also ended up dragging on right up to the day of the WHA draft, all but negating the benefit of starting it early. Now eventually the league caught on and ruled the pick invalid, but Sabres jerseys with Sujimoto 74 remain a popular item to this day, a testament to the greatest NHL pick to never exist. That's amazing. Great, great way story. to end the story. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> great stuff as always, Terry. Yeah, thanks um, very much, Lad. Yeah. The NHL draft has been uh, it's been an interesting go, and it continues to change every year. Yeah. Hopefully they yeah. uh, find a find a happy medium and stick with it for a while. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Anyway, thanks again, Terry. Yeah, thanks. Um, any any um, hints on what we're going to do next? We'll be back uh, back to a movie. Back to a movie. Yeah. And uh, do you like have I one say, picked out? Or uh, do we nothing. Need... Nothing. Nothing yet. No. I'll okay. let you know beforehand. And, All right. Uh, you know, people. I have a couple ideas. There's still uh, there's still lots. There's still, still lots. Still lots to get through, and uh, yeah, just going to uh, enjoy the rest of the holiday. Yep. The staycation. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I say, enjoy the hot stove. And week. obviously, you'll be back for season three looking, of Across the Pond. Looking forward to it already. And, awesome. Uh, again, uh, thanks to you and Paul for uh, for letting me uh, contribute. Yeah. It's Anytime, great. buddy. It's uh, it's an absolute sir. pleasure to yep. uh, to have you on the on the podcast, and thank you for all your hard work. Good. Really appreciate it. Thanks, dude. That was Across the Pond, and that's a wrap. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our amazing sponsors, the China Hockey Group, Wheel Hub Asia, AccessoryHouseGlobal.com, Yardley Brothers Beer, and of course, Sunset Studio. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Across the Pond HK. Email us, send in your comments and questions to the show at any time at Across the Pond HK at gmail.com.